we are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. Hey, how you doing? My name is Joey Galvez, and I'm here to invite you to head on over to the 143 Podcast Network to check out all our shows that range from collecting, music, all things geek, all under one roof, right here on the 143 Podcast Network, partnering with Age of Radio. Check us out. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I am your host, Brian Wayne, and this is a very, very special creator corner. Oh, man. But before we get into all of that, uh, I gotta give a shout out to those that sponsor this here podcast. Oh, man. NSCLiveTV.com bringing me the sponsors. Comic Kingdom of Canada. Our neighbors to the north. And that is if you're in the United States. Otherwise, they're in a different direction from you. Uh, <laughs> so, Comic Kingdom of Canada. And, uh, I know what you're thinking right off the bat. Oh, I'm not getting comics shipped to me across seas. It's going to cost too much. going to take too much time. That's not a fucking issue. Not an issue. These guys, they, they got a U.S. drop spot too. They'll get your comics to you at good rates and quick times and whatnot. So... You could just erase all of that from your head there, uh, but they they know how to bring they know how to bring the quality. They do Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 4:30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, yeah, you can catch all the great auction action that Comic Kingdom of Canada wants to bring to you, will bring to you, must bring to you. Um, and there's also more deals to be had by going to ComicKingdomOfCanada.com. That's ComicKingdomOfCanada.com for more special offers. So, Friday night, vintage night. Yep, Thursdays, uh, exclusives and rapid round vintage. And Tuesdays, new comics and more exclusives. Gotta love it. So... Um, when you want to be treated like a friend and not a dollar sign when you're buying comics, hit up Con... Oh, I did it. Comic Kingdom of Canada. <laughs> um, yeah, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Find them on NSCLiveTV.com. Find their Facebook page or find them on the Cheers to Comics Facebook page because I share out all of those live auction feeds. So, once again, Comic Kingdom of Canada. Also... Also, we've got our friends hooked, hooked on comics. Oh yeah, these guys—they've been sponsoring this podcast for, for a few minutes now. For yeah, these guys uh, gotta love them. So, what's going on with old? Uh, what are we doing here? Hooked on comics—that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Trying to find the ad read. There it is. Doopy doo. All right. Jeez. 
All right. I should have this memorized by now, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> so tune in to Hooked on Comics for more amazing auction action brought to you by NSCLiveTV.com. Uh, Tuesdays and Saturdays, Eastern times. Tuesdays at 6 p.m. and Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. So, um, same deal. Uh, NSCLiveTV.com. Uh, you can find their Facebook page or you can find them being broadcasted on the Cheers to Comics group page. So make sure you tune into them, find John and Mary and the Goofy Hats and their wall of slabs in the bin room, and of course, comic book auction action. And, uh, yeah, it's good times. Good, good times. So, uh, support those that support this podcast, and that being Hooked on Comics and Comic Kingdom of Canada now. Ladies and gentlemen, slurds of, well... Mature ages, more than likely, if you're listening to this podcast. <coughs> um, Kelly Thompson. I had the opportunity to speak with Kelly Thompson. She's a monster in the industry. She's only been doing this five years, but if you looked at her resume, you'd never fucking know it. She's uh, she's she's helped change the game at Marvel big time. And I had the opportunity to sit down and chat with her and pick her brain. And I hope you enjoy this this interview. I know I did. I know I did. One of these days, I'm going to get these guys in the studio so we don't have to uh, go through the quality of shitty Skype calls. But uh, (laughs) in the meantime, yeah, believe me, the the quality of the conversation itself, uh, well, you'll you'll, you'll get past the, the stupid fucking Skype. So, enjoy. All right, Kelly Thompson, how are you? I'm as good as can be in these very bizarre times we find ourselves in. These times are certainly bizarre. They're certainly bizarre. But uh, <laughs> um, thank goodness for podcasting. There's no excuse not to not to have the time to listen to a podcast now. Exactly. So. Everything's going to be podcast soon. <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, the the number of podcasts is going to go from 850 thousand to a million <laughs> by May. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, I'm I'm excited to have you on. We scheduled this way way before the apocalypse started, so um, yeah, this this was not a uh, an act of uh, <laughs> boredom by any means. This is something that I've I've been aspiring to do for a while. So I'm happy to have you on here, Kelly Thompson. You're a big big name in comics. You've been doing this for what about six years now, professionally? I think five years. We're actually right at five years, five years. from from the. Uh, debut gem was sort of my first mm-hmm. published full-length work um i had heart in a box was art had already been picked up but it and we'd worked on it for years so um it had it just hadn't been published yet so i've definitely been working longer than five years but it's sort of my five-year anniversary of being published so that's cool, cool. Considering the imprint that you've made in comics specifically marvel it's hard to believe that you've only been doing this for five years Thank you. I mean, you have um, Eisner noms under your belt for sure, and well deserved for that matter. And just the amount of uh, the, the the titles that you've taken over, and not just you know, okay, I, I got to do this. You you've taken these these characters and given them, you've elevated them all. Everybody that you've touched, you've elevated. And we're going to touch on several examples of that throughout this podcast. But before we do all of that, I kind of want to touch back a little bit as to. A, 
um, how why comics with you? I mean, most people with the level of talent of writing that you do, they they go to movies. Let's face it, there's more money in movies <laughs> and script writing and all of that good stuff. People could go low key and um, live very well out in L.A. and no one ever but no really know their name unless they stuck around <laughs> four and a half minutes into the credit reel. <laughs> but um, you chose the the hard route and comics. So why comics? Well, I think I chose the hard route in a way, and it's also the easy route, but none of it was really about it being hard or easy. It was just about just a real deep love of the medium. I mean, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a writer. And when I discovered comics, and I also drew a little bit, but I sort of even back then knew not I'm not good enough and I don't have enough passion to become an artist. The writing is more what interests me. But when I found comics I don't know something just clicked like that mixture of writing and art and what you could do with it within the medium uh it just really spoke to me and superheroes very much spoke to me I mean I was a teenager I think superheroes are very appealing to teenagers um absolutely uh, there's a lot of really great sort of power fantasies and escapism in it and uh so yeah I I uh you know I just really fell in love with it I think um do you remember what the first superhero was that really made you believe, or even writer for that matter, that made you go, wow, this is holy. Well, <laughs> I wish I had a great story about that in the sense that, I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't pay any attention to who was writing or drawing the books. Like, I paid more, more attention to who was drawing the books, which is interesting. Um, and I, I think even today, uh, art is more of a, a deal breaker or a selling point to me than writing. I mean, really bad writing can certainly turn me off and really, really great writing can, can get me through art that I don't love, but opening a comic and the art just sort of not being for you is, uh, you know, a really big thing or it being exactly what you're looking for. Um, that can be a real deal breaker or a selling point for me. I don't know if everyone sort of reads that same way, but, um, so I was definitely of the generation that found the X-Men animated series mm -hmm. and then and then discovered comics sort of as a result of that. Uh, I have two younger brothers and one of them came home from the mall one day with um, Uncanny X-Men number 290, which has a storm mm -hmm. cover. And he was like, look, it's the girl from the cartoon. And like, that, that was it. I was done for. It was, uh, I just completely fell in love with comics and became obsessed with them. And that so, sounds like the story. I mean, that, that's, that's yeah. a, a very unique, incredible story. I mean, that, oh, X-Men 290. All right. Let's, I mean, shoot, that's, that, that book should be celebrated because <laughs> it spawned. Uh, I mean, you got to work on Uncanny X-Men yourself. You did 10 issues with uh, Rosenberg and Brisson, right? Yeah. Oh my it. god, was... it was so good. It was so good. Yeah. You oh my god, I, like I said, I'm I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to gush. I love all of the stuff that I've ever read you've done. I've, I've yet to find anything. That's and there's another nice. thing too I want to talk about. You 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 turned me as of today actually. Um <laughs> we'll 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 talk about that in a minute though. But uh Yeah. Um, so that that's that's amazing. X-Men 290 and it just it, that that's what clicked and you said, "Okay, I love this shit. This is what I want to do." Yeah. That was it. I mean, I, I always feel a little disingenuous to Archie when I tell that story because the truth is when I was little, little, I read Archie Digest and I loved them. Mm -hmm. um, but like all kids I knew 
read Archie's like pretty much like they all loved it. It didn't even occur to me that I was like more into it than others. Although there is a good story where I went over to a friend's house for the day and she was sort of a new friend and she was, she was pretty rich, like not crazy rich. We lived in a fairly small town at the time, but like they had horses, like that kind of Mm. rich, you know? And in one of their bathrooms, they had the biggest basket I've ever seen full of Archie digests. And she never invited me over again because I got one look at those and all I wanted to do was read her comic books. And I didn't only read her comic books, but I read them way too much for her liking and I Mm. never got invited back. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So I should have known back then that I liked comics even more than your average kid and that I was like really responding to something in them. Um, But I tend to think of discovering superhero comics as being more of the transformative moment simply because Archie comics, how I was reading them as a kid, it was like, it was just a thing that was available in the grocery store. You know, it was like, there was no spinner rack. There was no monthly comic shop visit. There was none of the stuff that came with falling in love with monthly comics where you get a hold and you're starting to talk to other people about comics and you're, you're waiting eagerly for a book that comes out once a month and like all that stuff that I really associate with comics and with sort of the unique experience of being a fan. None of that came for me until I was a little older and I found those superhero, those X-Men comics. So um, I credit Archie, with the initial love of comics and planting that seed. And I credit the X-Men with uh, blossoming that into a crazy obsession. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's incredible. I mean, <laughs> I, I, these are the stories that I love. And these are the, these are the reasons I like to have these, these types of conversations because I mean, now when, when I go through and I read your work even further, or even reread your work for that matter, um, I, I'm I'm gonna have that in my head and like ah how, how, you know I mean does uh I, I'm sorry I'm gonna <laughs> ramble for a second. Um, so okay you you uh, but before you you actually one thing I do want to touch on before you had your real big break you you started as a novelist uh, you attempted to be well I can't say attempted you 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 did it you you wrote a <laughs> a book the the girl who would be king correct two two books the girl who would be king and there's another book called story killer okay and i was successful in that yes i published those novels i was slightly unsuccessful in that i had to do it on my own via kickstarter because traditional Uh. publishing sort of let me down in that way i couldn't sort of kind of break through um and i don't know if that's maybe i could have broken through if i just kept trying and i had a different project or um in the case of the girl who would be king uh, we had a lot of really interesting. Um, that's I picked the bad. I picked a bad word because we had a lot of intriguing interest in the book, but okay. ultimately they were sort of afraid of it because it's very violent and it's sort of possibly excessively violent for a YA book, but because it's got teenage protagonists, it tends to be considered a YA book. Uh. So it was sort of skirting this weird line that publishers were really afraid of and. Not to say that it was a perfect book and that was the only reason why they didn't want it, but it tended to be a thing that we kept hearing and I didn't really want to change it. I mean, there was sort of talk about, I mean, I did a million edits on it for forever with my agent. It felt endless, but the things that would have made it maybe a book that a big publisher picked up were just not the story I wanted to tell. And so Ah. I sort of, 
I sort of resisted it and eventually my agent and I sort of gave up and I moved on to a new project. Um, but at some point I felt this real interest in superheroes was happening mm-hmm. and it was, it was spreading even beyond comics. And I thought there was really this place for this novel. And so I, and Kickstarter had just started to become a big thing. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to try it. And, uh, it was a huge success. I think, I think we got 26,000, uh, was the funding amount when I was going for eight and it allowed us to create this really beautiful limited edition book with the Stephanie Hahn cover and these interior illustrations. And the book went on to do incredibly well. It's been optioned several times by Hollywood, including right now. And, uh, it became sort of a cult favorite. It got this really great review on IO9 that like really raised its um visibility and it was like a really great experience and then two years later i went back to kickstarter with a second novel um story killer and i think we funded that one at like fifty eight thousand. so we did a lot better <laughs> but i it's technically less popular and it's this weird thing right like i think there's a real sort of cult following, like an indie cult following for The Girl Who Would Be King. And Story Killer, I think, is a lot more commercially viable and it's more accessible to most people. But I think there's something about that that almost makes it less special to some people. Gotcha. Um, I think it's a better book. It's my second book, not my first. So I, I think it's better. But right. um, uh, it, it never took off the same way that The Girl Who Would Be King did, even though it had a better Kickstarter campaign. So it's always hmm. interesting how these things shake out. But so both, of kinda... them, both of them are supposed to have sequels someday, so I don't ah. know. We'll, we'll see. Well, I know that you have uh, uh, just a whole heap and plateful that Marvel's handed to you. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, know yeah. that I, I know that you're busy, that's for sure. I mean, you're... Yeah. Oh man, the stuff that they're you're you're doing, they're having you do for them. It's just it's it's it's, it's their best product. They're some of their best products, and you're you're taking it all over. I still, uh, all right. So I, I'm getting ready to get ahead of myself again. I've got so many questions. <laughs> um, so, Gem and the Holograms. You started out indie, as you know, a, mo- a lot of uh, um, writers tend to do. Great success, and then Hickman's doing a little something something over at Marvel, and you get an invite. Right. Is is I mean that that that's how that happens, right? I mean they see well, Jim and they, they they see that things are going well and uh, I'm, or or is this something that you say, hey, I've got this badass idea for a Captain Marvel story. Where can we fit this in? And they so, I mean they say, well, Secret Wars is a thing right now. I had been talking to Captain Mar or to Marvel for a little while because I had a pitch called Hawkeye Investigations. Oh, okay. And I was, and it was a Kate Bishop Hawkeye story, and I was sort of trying to get that someone to let me do that, and either through that or through Kelly Sudeconic's recommendation, I honestly don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. I got a call after Gem had started coming out, and there was a little bit of positive heat on that. Of did I want to co-write Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps with Kelly Sudeconic? And I assume that was she was really busy. And she needed a little bit of help, but she didn't want to walk away from the book, which was just sort of wrapping up kind of with its last arc. And then I think she had a final issue she did to sort of tie it up. 
And so, I mean, she didn't want to hand it off and I don't blame her. It was her baby. She'd done so much with it. And also I'm a big fan of uh, Marvel pairing young writers or inexperienced writers with more experienced writers. I think it's an incredible learning experience. I'm very grateful. Like, even though I went to school for comics and I know how to write comics, I still found it incredibly helpful to learn how Marvel does it and to see also how another pro did it. Um, so it was a great experience. So that was how that happened with Sana Amanat, uh, called me up and, or emailed me probably, I can't remember, mm-hmm. and asked me if I wanted to do that mini series with Kelly Sudeconic and David Lopez, who's an incredible artist. So it was a really great first project to get to try out there. And I'd say while because, we were, oh, yeah, while, while we were doing that, we were sort of talking about the Kate Bishop pitch and like Sana really liked it, but mm-hmm. she didn't know if it could fit in with the current schedule and so we were just kind of keeping it on the back burner and so that's how that all got started well i mean now you're you're a marvel exclusive and that's that's a big deal yeah (laughs) that's that's um that doesn't keep you from doing indie projects still right that just keeps you going over to uh to the other guys everyone's contract is different i find marvel to be very generous about giving you carve-outs for other stuff you already have going on or creator-owned books you want to do. Obviously, your priority part of that, you know, you have to remain, like, you're going to prioritize your Marvel work over other work. Yeah, you still have to make sure you make your camps and all of that stuff. Yeah, but as long as you make your deadlines and you're doing well, um, they, they tend to be pretty generous in my experience with letting you do a few other things on the side and, you know. Right on. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, because I, d- I mean, I like I said, you got your plate full here with uh, with a bunch of Marvel stuff, but I'm, I'd love to see some more uh, creator owned stuff down the road. That's for sure. Definitely working on that. It tends cool. to be very time consuming, and it's also a lot riskier, um, mm-hmm. especially for me. You know, Heart in a Box was a thing that came out sort of six months after I started publishing in comics, and so I was sort of a nobody still. And that book did not really do very well. It's one of those situations where um, I don't really think it was promoted very well. Some of that was my fault. Some of that was maybe Dark Horse's fault. It's hard to promote comics regardless. So Mm -hmm. it's not really anyone's fault. It's just a tough game. But um, they, uh, you know, it didn't do really well. It was one of those experiences where you get a ton of people reaching out to you and telling you how much a book meant to them and you're sort of overwhelmed by this incredible response, but it feels like given the numbers that like ev- literally every person that read it is contacting you and you're like, great, can you instead tell 10 friends? Cause we're not selling very well, you know? Right. Um, so that was tough. That was a hard first experience. I mean, not that I expected, you know, it to skyrocket to the top or anything. I, I hadn't done anything. I didn't have much of an audience. So um, and then I did a, I did a middle grade creator owned book with boom called mega princess. And I was a little more well-known at that point. It was a couple years later and, you know, kids books are particularly hard and I probably should have prepared for that, but I was very shocked to see that not do well either. And it sort of scared me away from creator owned for a while. It made me sort of want to just hunker down and do work for hire and really build my brand and build my name and, you know, do as much good work as I could do to, to grab up fans and people who would follow me anywhere. And so I've been doing mostly that and Marvel very generously 
um, you know, brought me on and yet also allowed me to do a little bit of Ghostbusters and a little bit of Nancy Drew and a little bit of Sabrina. So it's been nice. It's been a really good mix for me. Right on, because I know once you did the the Nancy Drew and Sabrina and Ghostbusters, that really you know put your name out there in the indie side of things. You know, it's, yeah. Because there's some people that just are so. I mean, it's silly, but so anti big too. I only read indies, so those people wouldn't necessarily know the people killing it over at Marvel, and yeah. uh, wouldn't be picking up a you know what silly enough a, a huge name that they don't know on an indie book. So yeah, once you get on big titles, you know like. Sabrina and all that, and I, I'm pretty sure you did very well on Sabrina as well. Um, I have brought you good things. Uh, yeah, everything you've done has brought you good things. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I'm 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 very anxious to see you put your your foot back into the creator-owned world. I, I know it, it, it's it's crazy, ridiculous out there as far as <laughs> publishing, but that's honestly that's part of the uh, and truthfully, it really is why I do this podcast. Um, and I usually do direct my, my interviews more towards indie creators just because they're the ones that need the pedestal and the platform to promote. And I mean, I, uh, I, I am the champion of all of that stuff. I, I try my damnedest to make sure everybody knows about everything out there that, you know, is not a, amongst the mainstream. So, yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really hard to get noticed in that field. So it's great. It's it's so hard and it, it frustrates me. It really does to the point where I was like, you know, what, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be the guy. If no one else is doing, I'm gonna be the fucking guy. So <laughs> this is uh yeah, here I am. But I'm talking I'm talking to a Marvel monster right now, and I and I mean that because almost everything you touch has just completely been shaken up, and I mean that in the best way. Um, uh, I'm gonna start with I don't know Rogan Gambit. Uh, I mean, you do Rogue and Gambit, and then um, Colossus and Kitty Pride have a little bit of a falling out, and the next thing you know, we've got Mr. and Mrs. X, and that's that's one of the things Hickman did in Exosketch. So, I mean, that's got to make you feel real nice right off the bat. We, I mean, it's uh, we, we Mr. and Mrs. X is still very much a thing, as crazy as that whole storyline is right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so, uh, how does, that was one of the first real big, big imprints, uh, at least to my recollection that you did in Marvel. I mean, what kind of, a what kind of reception was that for you once you made that, that big move? I mean, was it well received to the masses? Cause I tend to shut myself off from other people's opinions, to be honest. <laughs> for, for Rogan Gambit, you mean? Or? Yeah, yeah. Rogue and Gambit got a really good response. I mean, a miniseries and a miniseries about, even though they're beloved characters, you know, their names aren't Wolverine or Batman or Spider-Man. So, you know, you still get, uh, you're going to get sort of a limited draw there. Um, and it's also not a team book, which tend to do a little better because you've got a lot of characters that people might be interested in. But people were really getting what we were doing in Rogue and Gambit, which was a little weird. It was not sort of your traditional superhero book. It was a little more um, esoteric and introspective. Um, the idea was sort of to put them on a new path by sort of weaving together and explaining their past and, and moving them forward out of it in the guise of sort of a new mission and adventure. Um and it did really well. I mean, it. I don't know that it burned up the charts numbers-wise, but it did as well as you need a miniseries to do. It certainly did well enough that Marvel thought that they would probably work as the married couple to do a story about instead of Kitty and Colossus. They seem to have more heat and momentum than Kitty and Colossus. And... 
yeah, so it turned into another 12-issue run. And we knew from, not from day one did we know how long it was going to be, but we knew it would probably only be between 10 and 15 issues because we knew Hickman was coming in and planning, you know, the big reboot of the X-Men stuff or re reset or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, so we, you know, we, we knew we only had a limited amount of time, but we tried to make the best of it and just, you know, it's, uh, people really loved it. People were excited to see Rogue and Gambit back in a big way in comics. They'd been sort of to, at least as a pair, they'd been sort of on the shelf for a while Mm -hmm. and Gambit had been sort of on the shelf period, um, popping up here and there, but not a lot. So it was exciting to get to bring them back in monthly book and, and, you know, getting, 12 issues doesn't sound like a lot, but when you combine it with the miniseries, I mean, 17 issues of a Rogue and Gambit book is pretty great considering, you know, how long they've been sort of banging around out there. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, I, I was I was one of the people that loved it. I do. And I'm notorious for not liking love stories in comics. Mm-hmm. That's just not my genre. But just the way the, the, the whole Colossus thing happened, because I don't like the love story, when I saw Kitty Pride and <laughs> Colossus not do the thing, I was like, ah, I love this. And then, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm, I'm a big Colossus fan, and I'm uh, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I said, no, I don't have anything against K- Kitty Pride, but I just got to keep the man single for a while. And yeah, so, <laughs> so when that <laughs> happened, it was great. And then to have that whole twist of um, Rogue and Gambit, it just made me know that Gambit, because I am a big Gambit fan. As, and like you said, there's been you know, a little bit of a, he's he's been on the bench. So I, I knew that he was about to be pretty much mainstream again. And I, I love it. I love it so much. He's mainstream in Excalibur. And that's uh, that 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 relationship is very much a thing in Excalibur right now. So, uh, I'm uh yeah no you 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 turned me out as far as me liking a love story. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. Uh, speaking of turning me out though, and this this just happened. I mean, literally hours ago. Um, I I was never a fan of the character Captain Marvel. It's not that I have anything against the way she was ever written or anything like that. It's just uh. Some of the decisions she's made in comics is just, I've been against those types of things. Like <laughs> Civil War, for instance. I'm a Tony Stark fan. You don't break Tony Stark's back. I'm not going to be a fan of you. So <laughs> with that being said, I I have been very, very interested in this Box Supreme arc that you are doing right now. Oh. And uh, I went through, and I, I actually, even... <laughs> um, uh, even though I may not be reading something, I still a lot of times uh, I, I pick it up. And um, I've been sitting on, I don't know, nine issues of Captain Marvel. Really since Mark Brooks started doing the covers. Mm. I was like, okay, I'm going to jump on this because eventually when I want to go through and read Captain Marvel, I'm going to have it. And at the very least, if I hate the character, I'm going to have some pretty covers to look at. <laughs> <laughs> but as it turns out, um, I mean, this is this is a new ongoing for me. I love this this uh, Vox Supreme thing uh, that you have going on right now. I'm very very intrigued with this because I was a major fan of Donny Case's Death to the Inhumans. I was kind of disappointed that we after all that happened, I was like, what happened to Vox? And here you <laughs> you, you you bring him back, and man, I t- this I mean. Can we expect this to be a new Marvel big bad? I mean, is this kind of like a Null type of character maybe? Or, I mean, is is that the level we could be expecting? I mean, especially since the book's out this week. I mean, I don't want to give too much away by saying that. But 
I think, and I'm sure most fans and creators and Marvel itself would agree, we f- we need more villains. We need more great villains. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing my best to um, let us let our heroes win the day and in our story in a satisfying way, but still like leave him on the board for the future. Um, you know, I'm trying really hard to build up Carol's Rogues Gallery. I don't know if Vox Supreme will ever be considered completely a Carol Rogue because you know Donnie did introduce Vox, and he's obviously tied to the Inhumans um, by making him Vox Supreme and but, doing some but, of that stuff. I've tied it more to the Cree stuff, which exactly. hopefully, which hopefully helps Carol hold on to him a little bit as a villain. But you know, I know there will be like up for di- up for grabs there a little bit. But you can share. Um, Donnie has plenty of shit to play with right yeah, now. <laughs> Donnie, Donnie has no end of great ideas that he can play with. So seriously, yeah. I mean, I hope Fox Supreme will be a, a a villain that can that can become, you know, someone who is a problem for Carol going forward. You know, recurring. Um, you know, we always talk about. Heroes are only as great as their worst villain sort of thing. No, maybe not their worst, but they're only as good as their villains. And so, you know, building that up and really, I mean, I, I think that people always talk about that's part of the success of Batman is he has this incredible rogues mm-hmm. gallery of villainous characters that sort of have no end. And, you know, certainly there's more to the success of Batman than that, but it is a big factor. And I think it's important to sort of build that stuff up. Well, you're you're doing a great job, and I think these this might be the reason why all of a sudden, hey, I think I'm liking this character because that might be. And I mean, I didn't even realize that. Is I can't think of really a a major. Oh, that's a that's a Captain Marvel bad guy, and that that's a big player for me when I'm you know, hey, that's my that's my character. So because yeah. I'm I, I like the bad guy. Well, one um, of the problems that Carol has is that a lot of her really great villains aren't clear villains. Like Rogue is a hero. And mm-hmm. so even though they have this baggage together, that's not someone who can really sit in her rogues gallery because she's a she's she's a total hero at this point, right? Yep. Um, Mystique um, does very questionable things, and she's certainly done very bad things to Carol. But Mystique's a hero as often as she's a villain. Her means may not always be appropriate, but she's, you know, she's... I like her as a villain because she's complex, but, you know, especially, like, I don't know if you're reading what Hickman is doing with her. Oh, I'm totally doing. And uh, what what Xavier is doing to Mystique's mind, I mean, he's forcing her to... I mean, he's pretty much putting her through torture until she is 100% pure. Yeah, I mean, stuff with Mystique in Hickman's stuff is stuff I've been waiting for people to do with Mystique forever. So as much as I'd love to play with Mystique, I would never want to touch that because he's doing great things over there. Mm Um, Deathbird is another one of uh, Carol's villains, and she's definitely a sort of anti-hero character. I mean, again, I like villains like that, that like you can see their point of view. It's some of what we're doing with Star now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does sort of mean a lot of other people have dibs on it, and a lot of other people have plans. And if you're doing a really cool thing with Deathbird, you maybe don't want to port her out and have her attacking Carol for no reason, you know. I also ah. think that I also think that some of the some of those great stories of Carol's, those older stories that build up that rogues gallery, you know, they date a little bit. Um and so I'm not sure even how much mystique maybe, but like it's hard to even imagine Deathbird right now like coming at Carol. Like what would even be the reason for that other than old bad blood, you know? They're they're such different characters now. Like Carol's 
sort of leveled up in such interesting ways that I'm not sure Deathbird even makes sense as a villain for her anymore. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta work all this stuff out and you gotta try and develop it and build it. You know, there's also these weird things where like, I really like, um, Grace Valentine and, and, uh, June, what's her name? The, uh, the aim chick from Kelly uh-huh. Pseudoconics run. And to me, Grace Valentine has the potential to be like a really great sort of Lex Luthor, um, mm. For for Carol, but you know it's tricky because you're talking about something that's five years ago now. So if you're going to bring that villain back, you got to do it in a big way, and it's got to be accessible for people that weren't maybe reading five six years ago. So it's you know it's always a tricky balance. It, it, it is, um, but I also see that you like to plant seeds of your own too. Uh, like the whole, I mean, I'm going to kind of give a little bit of a spoiler here for a last issue. Um, or an issue or two ago in Captain Marvel. I might actually be a few issues back, so whatever. But she blasts Mjolnir away from Thor, and it goes all the way to Jotunheim, and then Loki picks it up, and it flies out of his hand. They're like, ah, it's a story for another time. So, <laughs> um, wait. wait, what? What? What am I? <laughs> no. What, no, what am I? That's, what am I, what am I? I think you're oh. confusing something there. I didn't I might be. Loki. Um, oh, no. in, in Captain Marvel, what you're remembering and then maybe combining with something is that she blasted out of his hand when he's sort of distracted and it appears to disappear, which freaks him out. And then she uses that opportunity to attack him. And what happened was it went inside Singularity, which is, oh, a, okay. pocket, which is a pocket dimension character. And then she's like storing everyone inside Singularity as she's dealing with Vox Supreme. That's like the oh, that's like totally. the reveal in part two kind of thing, right? Yeah, I, I totally just realized what I mixed that up with. Keep in mind, I, I read about ten books a day. Um, uh, <laughs> Kate's Thor and Kate's Thor. Sif, uh, yeah, Sif throws out, throws his hammer to yeah. That was Kate's plant in a seat. Oh geez, I feel silly. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> But I, I knew that I knew that she blasted that hammer away, though. I knew she blasted that hammer. <laughs> everybody, uh, everybody loves the hammer. It's really oh. fun to play with. Oh, it is. It is. It, it really is. Um, but I, I'm I'm so intrigued with what you're doing with this Captain Marvel story to the point now where it is, it, it is added on as an ongoing. You, you you turn me out. You 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 write a voice that I dig, and just the way that she's going through and reluctantly having to do what she's doing, and the 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 emotions that you're able to draw out of this, um, you 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 it's it really is real and it's raw and it shows that you aren't just somebody just going through the hoops of okay I got to do this I got to do this. You know how to write it to where you're actually in, inciting real emotion and I mean that 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 Captain America scene I'm not going to that one I'm not going to spoil but come on now. <laughs> <laughs> thank come you. on. Uh, yeah, the the She-Hulk. Uh, oh my god, it's just it's hard. It was hard. Yeah. And it made me realize okay you know what, maybe she's not such a bitch. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah. I mean, I think the thing with comics is really tricky because, you know, like, I'm sure people would be surprised to hear that I'm not interested in arguments about what character is stronger. Like, when when I say that to someone, they're like, you just wrote a story that was about Carol Danvers having to beat everyone up. And I'm like, yeah, but that it's not about who's stronger. Because any number of variables can affect that on any day, and any one person could win over someone else given the right variables. It's not that's not what the story's about. That's 
that's how we do some PR and get people excited mm. to show up for the book and to have something cool to show off to get people to come in and try and invest in, you know, the conflict that Carol's dealing with and like how she's trying to juggle attacking her friends versus saving innocent civilians and what that all means to her and how she'll get out of it and how she both is unwilling to rely on people and then also completely willing to ask for their help. And like the emotional resonance of that, you know, is, is what I want. And all the punching is really fun to write and fun to have someone like Lee draw, but it's all sort of window dressing to get you to care about these characters and what's going on with them. And um, I've been really happy with how the last Avenger has worked out. Um, We've had two arcs in a row now that really, seem to get people excited about some things we were doing. Um, I would argue we've been doing them since issue one, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but sometimes it takes people a while to like catch up to what you're trying to do. And, you know, we were laying groundwork in issue one for stuff that we were doing in arc three, I guess you call it. I don't know if two issues counts as an arc. So arc two or three, depending on how you're counting it starts with issue eight um, with star. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we did this, hard left into last avenger and you know we're just having a lot of fun um we're going into empire now a tie into empire now Mm. um i don't tend to like tie-ins as a reader or a creator but this one makes a lot of sense for carol to be involved in you know involving kree and space and all this great stuff plus it's like a whole war so what captain marvel is going to sit out from the war no so, you know, we try to find like a really per- a really personal angle for Carol that's also really cool that's got some some cool big action beats and some sacrificial beats and you know all that good stuff. Oh man, I mean this this last arc is almost pure action. Uh, yeah. it, it really is. It's either it's either hard action or just hard hitting emotion. Uh, I mean character development and it's uh I love it. Yeah, I mean, you you really you you turned an, an anti-Captain Marvel person into somebody that's. I'm legit excited to see how this this Dark Avenger or the, what, Last Avenger, correct? Last Avenger. Yeah, the last. That's Avenger. the arc. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the last Avenger. Oh man, oh it's so good. Well, I'm so glad. That's a really high compliment. I really appreciate it. Well, uh, I mean, I, I I appreciate it because I, I I mean I love comics. I hate having characters out there that I really want to be interested in. That I just I, I no one's written that voice that has gotten me into them yet. And you know, unfortunately, the first time I, I I got into Captain Marvel, she was doing the worst thing I could ever see in comics, and that's breaking my boy's back. So <laughs> I've I've it's, <laughs> I've been sour with her from the beginning. Um, even if it was Bendis writing her, so. Um, but yeah, here we are now. I'm excited, and uh, yeah, I'm not going to be getting them just for the covers. So, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, um, you. But you, you've uh, you do so many things. I enjoy uh, West Coast Avengers. I'm so sad that's not a thing right now because that spawned oh my favorite new character in comics, and that would be Jeff the Land Shark. <laughs> well, you've got a good surprise coming up because uh, Deadpool number six, which is out next month, because we've got two issues of Deadpool out next month, has some of the cutest Jeff and most deadly Jeff the Land Shark stuff I've ever gotten to do yet. Um, it's drawn by Kevin LaBronda, and I mean, he's killing it. I'll probably be throwing up some teaser stuff. Um, yeah 
next week after we get Deadpool four out this uh, this week. So uh, it's well, uh, it's really great. I'm I'm loving it. I mean, I, I love how uh, you know he's Gwen's Gwenpool's little little sidekick for a while. I really I loved West Coast Avengers so much. I it was just and once again it was a book that was everything that I wouldn't normally read. And then once I read it, I was like I. I can't wait for the next issue. And <laughs> yeah, then that next had... issue didn't come, and I was so sad. And I was like, but what? where's Jeff going? And then the way you introduced Jeff into Deadpool was so so perfect. It was so Deadpool. I mean, why not have Gwenpool come in and say, well, I don't have a book right now. You got a book. Here, you take him. He's too good to not have in a comic. And I was like, ah, that's what I would have said. <laughs> so uh, you, did, uh, you, you, know how to, you know how to please the fans, that's for Thank sure. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I mean, come on, you're writing Deadpool now with Chris Bichala. What's that like? Uh, that's a dream. That's a dream come true. And going all the way back to being a teenager and, you know, Rogue was my favorite character when I was a teenager and he drew one of the best rogues around and still does. Uh, so working with him on many levels was just something I always wanted. Um, and working with him is incredible. Um, it's a, working with him is a little bit of a different experience than most the artists I work with. Um, how so? Um, he's, he's a little, oh, this is going to come out like I'm controlling my other artists and that's not the case, but mm-hmm. I was going to say he's a little more, he's in control than I'm in control than I'm used to. Okay. Like that, that balance is a little different than I'm used to. Um, again, I don't want to suggest I'm controlling my artist, but just every collaboration has a different sort of balance. And oh, sure. in his, he's a lot more off on his own, like doing what he wants sort of thing. And then you're like, okay. And what I like about that is that, you know, even just to survive, <laughs> you sort of end up really leaning on the formula of comics. You know, it's like, well, I need this and I need X amount of pages that are sort of action-based for most books. And then I want to end on some sort of twist or surprise or cliffhanger or something that draws people in to feel like they have to pick up the next issue. So there's a real formula there and it's there to help you and it's there to, to help you create a piece of a story that still feels enjoyable to read on its own without having ingested the whole piece and uh, I rely on it a lot. Like, it makes my job a lot easier. And there's a reason formulas exist. It's because they work. But there's also something to be said for getting pushed out of that nest. And I think Chris brings something really special to his books that sort of forces you to think on your feet a little bit more and not rely so much on the formula. And I've enjoyed that aspect of it a lot. That's awesome. Uh, well, you guys mesh together very, very well. I mean, uh, it, I, it's it, it works perfectly. I, could, I couldn't do it on all my books, though. I would die. <laughs> it's a little well, more time consuming. So, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I get you. No judgment there. I totally get you. But I mean, but the the end product to this is is superb. It really is. I, I was uh, I'm always skeptical when a new artist takes on Deadpool. It doesn't matter who it is. I'm always like, okay, because Deadpool has such a a voice that everybody yeah. knows, and it could be it could easily easily be done wrong. And yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's just the truth of it. But I mean, within two pages, I was like, oh nope, this is it. We 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 got it. We're fine. We're okay. No one's <laughs> no one's gonna be mad at this. We're 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 good. <laughs> 
thank you. That's really kind. I, I love the whole, this whole King of the Monsters thing. It's so perfect for Deadpool. I mean, this is, it's, well, to me, it's kind of like the Mercs for money in a way. That's uh, He's yeah. got to have like a, like a posse around him. And if his posse is just a bunch of monsters, then so be it. And I mean, he's being hunted by Craven right now. This is good stuff. I mean, oh, yeah, I um, when I got when I got asked to pitch for Deadpool, I was super excited. It's a character I love. And like, because I really like comedy, it's a character I really wanted to sink my teeth into. And I'd only gotten to write him a little bit for uh, Mr. and Mrs. X so far. Um, but I, you know, there's so much Deadpool stuff. He's done everything under the sun and I just wasn't sure what story I was going to be able to come up with that was going to feel sort of new and different and give him something exciting to do, something fun to do. And also that had something to say. And when we came up with the monster thing, it just, everything sort of clicked together. Like there's really great themes that sort of cross over with Deadpool and monsters and all of that stuff. Plus we knew we, if we had Chris, we would just have so much great stuff to design. So it's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Is is this a run that we could expect to go on for a while? Or are you going to do a couple arcs and pass it on to someone else? Or, I mean, I mean is... I'll, I'll do it as long as it's viable sales-wise. Um, Chris's last issue is four. Um, okay. You know, he's a very, he's a very high dollar. Oh, for sure. Um, high draw. So it's like if you're not selling a big, big number, he needs to move on to things that sell big, big numbers. Um, so uh, we, but we have, so Gerardo Sandoval is on our issue five. It's nice. a done in one. It's out in April. It's amazing. I love it. It's so fun. And then, as I said, Kevin LeBronda is doing issue six, also out in April. It's also a done in one, and it's Deadpool uh, breaking into Krakoa. Oh. And it's really great. It's turning out to be, <laughs> just, on the, just on the art alone, it's turning out to be one of my favorite issues. I mean, anytime you mix Deadpool with X-Men, it's pretty magical, but uh, I'm really loving it. And then Gerard Sandoval's coming back for our uh, the arc that follows that. So issues seven, eight, and nine, I think it is. And that's like a Elsa and Deadpool story that's got a lot of real emotional resonance and is also setting up some additional future things that we've already been seeding a little bit, but in a sort of subtle way. And they're going to become more obvious as we go. So Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, well, it sounds like you definitely have plenty of uh, plenty of content for him. What, what, yeah, we, so. You know, we took so long fleshing out the pitch and like reworking it and figuring it out. We had a really long runway on that one. And because of that, we have a lot of story I'd love to get to. I hope we can have, I mean, we're, we're selling okay. I mean, I listen, I'd always like our numbers to be higher, but our numbers look okay. I was really encouraged. There was very little drop off between two and three. Um, which I hope means the people who are reading the book like it and they're sticking around and, you know, we'll see with issue five, like maybe a new artist, it makes people want to come back in and try it again. You never know. Um, but, um, we've got a lot of runway story wise that I'd love to get to, and we'll just see how far we get to go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you, uh, I mean, you, you've worked with an abundance of brilliant artists. Do you, do you have any, I mean, that you kind of would like to see maybe jump on Deadpool with you or even el something else for that matter, you know, in the, well, in, I, in the, in the go ahead. I, I think Gerardo's 
great. I think he's killing it. I think people yeah. are going to be blown away by what five looks like and what Kevin LeBron did for, for six. I would love to have him back as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my dream artists for Deadpool, who we've talked to a little bit, but who's just so busy, is James Heron. Mm. Um, I think he would be sort of revolutionary on that book. So maybe we'll be able to get him in for something. Uh, she doesn't really do a lot of just art these days, but I'd love to see Becky Cloonan do some Deadpool. Oh, uh, man, I'm a huge <laughs> Becky Cloonan fan. I love her yeah. Reaver covers. I don't know if yeah. you're reading Reaver, but oh, yeah. man, oh, and, she's uh, awesome. Uh, I know there's no hope of getting Sophie Campbell over there because she's got all her own stuff going on. But, you know, she would be an incredible person to have on Deadpool as well. Uh, she would have a lot of fun with drawing all those crazy monsters and everything. Oh, for sure. Well, I'm, uh, either way, I mean, I'm sure it, is, it's, it doesn't matter who you bring on. It's going to be great because Kelly Thompson's writing it. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving I'm, I'm, I'm loving Deadpool so much. It's, uh, I can't wait to read more. And now I'm so excited for this uh, DP breaks into Krakoa. That sounds, I'm, I'm serious, I'm salivating. I'm, I'm, I mean, literally <laughs> salivating. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. Um, well, shoot, I, I can go on. You have such a huge list of stuff you've done. Are we? Are, are, can we look forward to any more West Coast Avengers at all anytime soon from you? Not that I've heard. I'd love oh. to do more. I was brokenhearted that that book didn't didn't sort of hit. I mean, I feel like that West Coast Avengers number one is one of the best comics I've ever written for Marvel. I, I, I was so I I I didn't expect to be into it. I didn't. And then once again, some writers are just good enough. And I I I I, I bought all the issues. Wasn't that enough? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I just you know Stefano really nailed it. Triona's colors were so good, and it just like the concept really it just worked from go. Like integrating those sort of confessionals with the narrative. Oh. I just I just really loved how it all worked. I was I was so pumped for that issue, and I knew we were going to have a hard road to climb because people feel a certain way about the title West Coast Avengers, and we were using mostly new characters, which was not what some people were hoping to see in a. They wanted a more classic West Coast Avengers, so I knew we had a hard road ahead of us, but. I had hoped we could win people over. And I, I think we did win people over. It was just a lot of the people we went over were after the book was already canceled. Like it just uh, sort of yeah. wasn't on their radar. I mean, I hear so many people come to me reading West Coast Avengers on Marvel Unlimited and they're like, oh my God, this is so good. I can't believe there's only 10 issues. And I'm like, sorry, you should have read it when it was coming out. Like, you know, I, I don't want to penalize people for that. But, you know, for books that are on the bubble like that, it, you know, don't be surprised if you're reading on Marvel Unlimited when stuff is canceled, you know, because, you know, I, I have no problem with you waiting until Marvel Unlimited, but the fate of that book is already decided if you're reading it there, you know? Right. Yes. And that's the argument that I have with everybody that says, oh, I just wait for it to be digital. And I'm telling you, it's it, uh, that doesn't help anybody. It's not. It's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. listen, I. People have to do what they have to do. It's not it's not their fault if I can't sell a book. It's not their fault if stuff gets canceled or the comic industry isn't as vibrant. Like everyone has to make the decision for themselves. I just try to help people understand that if you are waiting until Marvel Unlimited, it's hard for you to have feelings about Mm-hmm. the fate of a book because that book's fate was decided before it even showed up there you know yep. so it is what it is yeah uh, and I'm, gl- I'm glad we got to hear that but i say it all the time and i'm, I'm glad we got to hear it from someone like you on this podcast and that that really solidifies this point that i've been trying to make for so long 
Um, so yes, no, thank you for <laughs> validating that. <laughs> um, no problem. <laughs> oh man, there's I seriously I, I have this whole giant like page of questions I can ask you. And I know we've been on here for an hour, and I know you're a very busy person. You probably, uh, <laughs> oh man, I this. I was gonna go into the, the the whole Corona topic, but we'll we'll steer away from that. Let, let's 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 keep this bright and shiny. Um, uh, you know, when you all right, uh, just a couple more questions. When you approach a project, uh, what do you do? You have a specific writing process that you go about. So, and this is for any uh, aspiring creators out there. Um, do you do you have a method that you do um, as far as when you approach issue one of something? Well, I mean, it really depends on the book and the project. If it's a character I haven't written before, um, a lot of my prep is reading those books or rereading those books, some combination of that, um, both to make sure I'm informed about the kind of stuff they've been doing, but but more than anything, just trying to get their voice and their feel for the character, or rather my take on their voice, I guess, is a more accurate um, it's a more accurate descriptor. Um, mm -hmm. So I do a lot of that. Um, I tend to write a lot of notes on my phone or in Word documents that are just snippets of dialogue that I feel like are about what I, you know, like bits of sort of witty exchanges between characters that I feel like, and some of it makes it into final scripts um most of it doesn't most of it's just me using my best way i know how to sort of figure out what those voices sound like and what those dynamics are and sometimes that process helps me hit on things that i really want to talk about or that i think are interesting um i'm a big i've when i was first writing the girl who would be king a million years ago now i didn't really have an outline and that book took so long to finish and some of it was just a first time novelist. Some of it was, you know, being naive about problems. Some of it was not being disciplined enough about sitting down and writing. And, you know, I had another career, obviously it was a thing I did on my spare time. So it's easy to get lost in that. But, um, I really got lost in the woods in that book without an outline. And it was such a scary experience to not really know where I was going mm -hmm. that I sort of swore to never do it again. So I almost always use an outline I really like to know where I'm going. There are a few cases where I don't quite know what the end is, um, but I would say 90% of the time I know what the end is. And sometimes that end will change, but I still go in knowing, okay, here I am, here are these benchmarks I'm going to hit, and here's where I'm hoping to end up. And a lot of that is because I think, you know, there's a lot of bad endings in mm. all media, comics, TV, oh, totally. movies. It happens a lot. And the ending is what you're left with. The ending is how you end up feeling about a thing, even if you loved it at the beginning. Um, so I try my best to, to not do shitty endings because I want a long career and I want people to think well of me. And uh, I've been a reader, too, that's been burned many times by an ending that doesn't feel earned or that mm -hmm. sort of just kind of falls off or. Yeah, just yeah. leaves it for the next guy to pick up. You know, it's the next guy's problem. It's it, yeah, and I totally get you. And I can actually, you know, that's one thing that I very much enjoy about your style is I've never once picked up a Kelly Thompson book and, and felt like, well, I, I don't I don't think she knew where she was going here. 
<laughs> it was it's it's Good. it's always very satisfying at the end. You, you you're you're Good. not one of the people out there that have to go and then there was time travel. <laughs> <laughs> like, and all and I could say that on behalf of all readers out there. That's that's why you get nominated for for Eisner's. That's what makes you stand out. That's what puts you in the top tier Marvel writers which in turn is essentially the top tier of just comic book writers in general, if you want to get technical with things the way, you know, with numbers and everything. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, um, your 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 work speaks for itself. That's for sure. And it's yeah. uh, knowing that you do go in with um, uh, even a broad outline at that. Uh, that's that's something that I'm sure any uh, any aspiring creator out there, you know, coming from a pro like you should be, they should be noting this and I'll give them an extra two seconds to grab a pencil. (laughs) This is important stuff. I mean, because like I said, you put out quality. Thank you. Um, I will say, and this is probably true for most creators that I know, most creators I know care a lot about their work and they're very professional. Um, I will say that I care so much like, I never don't care. I never go, oh, whatever, it's this or that. There are probably, there are degrees of difficulty depending on the book and the publisher. Like, some books are harder than others. Some books I have to exert more on. Some books I sometimes feel like are a little easy and I question myself. I'm like, oh, God, did I phone that in? Did I really not try? But no, I always try. I It's really important to me. Um People are entrusting me with these characters. Readers are have expectations coming in, and I want to deliver on all those things. And so I always care. I'm I'm sure some of my editors would be like, "Yeah, you could actually tone that down a little bit. Like, be a little mm-hmm. less annoying would be great." So, but I I just really care about the final product, and um, I I want my work to speak for itself. And so. I'm glad to hear that's working, even if I'm annoying. <laughs> no, it shows. It shows. I've I don't remember any time I've ever been annoyed by your work at all. So, <laughs> um, one of the one of the last things I want to ask you touched on the word legacy, and um, uh, let's let's talk. I mean, technically, uh, you're very young into comics, and like I said, this all the things we've had to talk about here would. I mean, usually show otherwise, like you've been doing this for years and years and years. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, what kind of I mean, you got a long, long, long career ahead of you in this industry. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? I mean, do you want to be uh, is there a hero that you maybe just want to take on and say, OK, this is my guy. I want to do a hundred issue run on blah. I mean, is there someone that you have in mind for I, that or do you there's plenty? But I'm sorry to say that just doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, no. I think the most you can hope for especially at marvel who are very interested in number ones when they more so than dc at least they're interested in number ones when they have like a creative change um a, a, either a creative team change that's that's significant or a big shift in the marvel universe or something you know they want that number one relaunch and i get it Oh, and I'm all for the number ones, but I mean, Squirrel Girl went 50 issues. I mean, so they could have some exceptions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, Immortal Hulk says, you yeah. know, we're, we're, there's Immortal. a few books now that are way, you know, up in the 30s and 40s now. So, yeah. I mean, a 50 issue run isn't completely um, uh, off off the market for Marvel. So, I mean, is no, there someone no. that you want to have a huge run like that with? I mean, listen, I would have loved to do 50 issues of Kate Bishop Hawkeye. Ah, we would all love that. (laughs) I would have loved to do 50 issues of West Coast Avengers. Gotcha. I probably had 50 issues of Rogue and Gambit in me or Mr. and Mrs. X, whichever. Um, I I mean, I know we've got 
20 some issues of Deadpool in me already. And mm. Captain Marvel is going to go to, I mean, we're pitching for an arc that'll be through issue 27 or 28 right now. So we'll nice. get at least that far, which is great. That's, she hasn't seen that number nope. um, since she was Ms. Marvel, I guess, back in the day. So um, getting to 50 with Captain Marvel would be incredible. I don't, I don't think we're going to, but that would be incredible. Um, you know, what's happening with Immortal Hulk is amazing. I love it. Al deserves every bit of it. Al and his creators that are helping him oh, do sure. it. Um, but that's still a rarity, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you yeah. Know, so, and, I mean, and it- I'd... I'd love to do more Jessica Jones. I loved doing that. Um, to be honest, sometimes people ask me all the time if Marvel's going to let me do more Jessica Jones. And the answer is, I don't know. Mm. Um, I would love to do more because I love the character, but I love that purple daughter story so much. Sometimes I'm like, mm, uh, maybe, maybe I peaked and that's it. You know, like maybe that's where mm. it should end for me because I think it's a really powerful story. Um, I think, uh, Gosh, yeah. I mean, it sounds I, like you you really care enough about it. I mean, the the fact that your legacy is is you just want to be the person that just goes in and cares about every every product that they put their name your I your mean, name on. And I'm I, that, that that's. I've been very lucky in that Marvel has been really great about handing. There have been very few <laughs> projects they've handed me that I haven't really cared about. Um, so it's been easy to invest because I already liked and was interested in those characters. Um, so in that respect, it hasn't been a struggle to be interested in characters that they hand me. I mean, I have a very clear vision for where I want to take Black Widow. Um, Mm. that first arc is a little bit weird and unexpected and risky and it's really emotional and I hope people are going to come along for the ride because that, no, no, sorry. My cat is honey. Oh, you can't come here. <laughs> you gotta stay there. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. Um, so I, um, but I have like a really bold vision. That's a, sort of different kind of Black Widow story that I want to build her up in this first arc to then do that with. Nice. Um, but Black Widow is not a book that has traditionally sold very well. So, you know, it's going to be a miracle <laughs> to get, I can't even imagine 50 issues of Black Widow, but would I love to do it? Hell yeah. I would love to put my mark on that and redefine the character a little bit. And Well, I mean, Black Widow could be that Squirrel Girl. You know, like the 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 book that no one thought would go fifty issues, Listen, but nobody I mean, nobody loves Squirrel Girl more than I do. I love it. Uh, I I don't it know. Was, <laughs> it was one of the last pieces I wrote, I think, for my column at CBR was about that first issue of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Um, I think it's brilliant. I think Ryan North is brilliant. I think Eric yeah. Henderson was brilliant. It's it's incredible. But part of the reason unbeatable squirrel girl works is because they have like a separate scholastic deal and it's got a whole other market oh that's very true that is very true so you have to think about all these things i mean you know i get people every day who ask me about like really obscure characters they're like do a series with so-and-so you know i love hazmat and that's why i wrote her into captain marvel (laughs) i think she's a fantastic character that's really underutilized and i thought she would be a really great sort of oil and water fit with carol 
um, and that we can have a lot of fun with that. But I get people going, please do a hazmat series. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, it's hard to get Captain Marvel to get to issue 30. Like, how many right. issues you get a hazmat? Like, you know, so I like to do my thing building characters up in other things to help them grow and maybe they can become help become bigger characters. But, you know, it's a, it's a business at the end of the day and you got to pick your battles, you know. No, no, and I think you do a good job. I, I, I really do. The, the, the people, I mean, I think uh, a good testament to that would be, say, like, Gwenpool. I think that with what you did with uh, Gwenpool and West Coast Avengers, you know, I mean, then she she went and got a miniseries. She got Gwenpool Strikes Back. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, that's... That. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's proof right there. It's just, you know, put these characters... Everybody wanted a Gwenpool, and it wasn't happening, so let's put her in West Coast Avengers, and then you wrote the shit out of her. And then, boom, we got, we, we got a miniseries. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, you're, you're proof that, <laughs> that it, it, you, you do take the right approach. That's for sure. Thanks. It's, God, right. I can't believe you've only been doing this for five years. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so... Uh, what what can we expect uh, in in twenty twenty? We know we got Black Widow just right around the corner here. Yeah, uh, Black Widow because Captain Marvel's doing really well, um, and we're sort of on a great roll with that. Expect more of that. Deadpool. I hope we're gonna. We're, I mean, we're gonna keep going like on that. Black Widow is the new book. Star will be wrapping up in a couple issues um, or a few issues. Um, that's really about it. I've got I've got Sabrina coming up in April as well. Oh, nice. Um, the new the second volume of that. I think I think the first issue is April first, same as Black Widow. Although, who knows now how well those will do if shops are closed and stuff. Uh, but um, hopefully people have already uh, advance ordered their copies so that it won't totally kill us in the water. But um, so yeah, it'll be. Yeah, next month I'll have Captain Marvel, Deadpool, Black Widow, Sabrina, and Star on shelves. And it's honestly, that dance card is so full that I haven't been planning for beyond that. But oh, no, I'm not. We're no pressure on more. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing just fine. We're doing just fine. We don't don't need you to trip over yourself at this point because what you're doing is great. Like you said about creator own, I mean, some of my dance card I'm trying to reserve for that because I've got a couple things brewing and hopefully some of those, they'll take a little longer, but hopefully they're, they're bubbling up and starting to be something I can move to the front burner. So we'll see. Nice. I also, I dabble a little bit in TV and film. Some of that stuff is happening for me. Some of it, not so much. Uh, and forever I will be trying to get back to my novels. So it's a, it's a lot of stuff. I'm very I'm lucky. Busy person, jeez. Oh, but uh, yeah. Well, creative, that gives us creative career tends to be really feast or famine. I'm very lucky to be in feast mode, um, yes. but it can be it can be very stressful and burnout is a very real thing. But it's hard not to just feel lucky, you know, that you've got the opportunity. So. Well, no, I I, I get that, and uh, I could say on behalf of readers, we're 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 lucky that you're willing to to <laughs> to put in this this work that you do, and like you said in the very beginning, you do comics because you love the medium, and that's just proof that that's the only way you're ever going to be successful in this industry is if you truly love it, and everything that you have. Um, done that I have read at least and I would say I can't think of many titles that your name's been on that I haven't picked up to be perfectly honest I really can't well thank Um, you 
well, I mean, I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, um, you just knock it out of the park. And like you said, you just, everything you do, it's it's just a huge, it was, you don't just play with it and throw it away. I mean, West Coast Avengers led to, um, well, Gwen Cool becoming a little more mainstream, Hawkeye becoming a thing again. And I mean, now look what Rosenberg's doing with Hawkeye. And I oh. honestly, I give 100% of the credit of Hawkeye getting a book because of how awesome he was in West Coast Avengers. Oh, People well, getting mad West Coast. Of, I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I don't I, think I, that's I think, true, but I love that book. That's like my favorite book that's out right now. It's amazing. I, I love it so much. I do. I, I, I read uh, issue four just uh, early this morning and Oh man! I'm, the the next thing I do after this is I'm getting ready to record my weekly podcast. So I'm going to talk about all these books, and I'm super <laughs> excited about that. But uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to talk about Hawkeye. But like I said, it's uh, you 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 do uh, uh you, you do things that really you you elevate characters. Um, I mean, Rogan Gambit. That's an obvious. You know, it's the low hanging fruit to that answer. Um, Deadpool. I mean, Deadpool's wearing a crown. Haven't seen that. <laughs> uh, I mean, everything. I, even even uh, the Uncanny Run you did, the, that 10-issue weekly. That was so much fun. I love that so yeah. much. And, yeah, and even though Hickman, you know, did what he did, it was still a drastic, you know, thing that all of those those mutants were going through, that you were a part of writing. So, uh, No, it was you... great. I mean, Matt and Ed are two of my best friends in comics, so it was really fun to do it with them. And, um. It was a great experience. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to get my hands on some Uncanny X-Men again someday. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, shoot, they just keep pumping out these mutant books, and there's no slowing down at this point, so who <laughs> knows? I mean, you never know. You might get that email from Hickman, and or maybe you have, and you're just hiding something. I don't know. I'm not trying to <laughs> dig any exclusives, though. <laughs> uh, but, oh, golly, would that be great? <laughs> we'll see. Um, Oh, well, I, I feel optimistic because you definitely, uh, you're definitely a name you should be calling over because, uh, you know how to do it. Thanks. Um, all right. So before I wrap this up, uh, I want to pick the brain just a little bit uh, more with a quick rapid fire five word association type of, type of census here. Are you cool with that? I'm okay. going to throw out five yeah. random words. Yeah. You're going to, yeah, sure. you know how this works. You're smart, obviously. Sure. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, first words, hero. Villain. Ooh. Uh, team. West Coast, baby. Nice. Onomatopoeia. <laughs> Here's the thing. For some reason, I thought palindrome. I don't know why. Huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, all right. I'll go with it. Um, reboot. Necessary evil. Nice. And then villain. Complex. Nice. I like that. I like it. I've definitely got some things. To, all right, cool. I mean, I'm going to let you know myself and the readers ponder over that as we uh, wrap up this interview. We got to just maybe dig into your brain a little bit more when... Uh, yeah, when you're not when you're not on the mics. <laughs> uh, um, I, I, I I don't know. I just kind of started doing that uh, five or six interviews ago, and I don't know. It just kind of definitely leaves more more to uh, <laughs> more to ponder about with these amazing what? brains that you guys are you guys as creators are uh, man gracing us as readers with. It really is, and um, it's 
this has been a lot of fun, Kelly. I, I hope to do this again soon. I know that you definitely have enough work ahead of you to where it won't be long and we'll have plenty of other stuff to talk about. It just sounds like just April alone we'll have tons of stuff to talk about after that. Um, but yeah, no, this is this has been a lot of fun. Very insightful and oh man, I'm I'm just glad I gotta do this as a fan. Well, thank you. I had a great time. Thanks for letting me come on and talk about comics. Right on, right on. Well, I know I'm I'm looking forward to everything um, coming to you. I, I know I'm waiting on that Eisner. I know that that Eisner is just right around the corner for you. And I think Captain Marvel might be the thing to get it for you. I know that you're going to have my vote this year because seriously, well, it changed. It is it, today changed my life in comics. I'm not going to lie. I went from somebody I loathe that character to, holy shit, I need to know what the hell she's going to do next. So to That's... me, if there's anything more deserving than an award, it's it's that. Like that is that's, that is that's really the yeah. highest possible compliment. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. So <laughs> uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna leave it on a good note. Um, Kelly, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, you you stay safe out there, and um, uh, <laughs> you too. You too. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Thanks, Brian. Sure Bye. thing. Bye. All right, there we go. Another podcast in the books. Another amazing interview. I love Kelly Thompson. I'm going to say it. She's amazing. Love talking to her. Love her work. Everything she does. She's just, ah, she's a fucking brilliant creator. And I look forward to more conversations like that one down the road in the future. Now, uh, support this podcast. Support this podcast if you want me to continue to pop off amazing interviews like that. It's all about the quality, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, man. Fucking <clears throat> ah, quarantine, right? Support this podcast. <laughs> uh, do so by becoming a patron. Patreon.com slash Cheers to Comics. The patrons really, really are the ones that are responsible for the growth of this podcast. That's all there is to it. And if you want to be a part of that, then just jump on Patreon.com slash Cheers to Comics. As little as a dollar. And it all goes towards the advancement of the quality of this podcast. Uh, I want to keep making this, so show me you love it. And do so by throwing a buck at it. And I'm going to send you stickers just right off the bat. doesn't matter what tier you choose, you're automatically going to get stickers to choose from. Or not to choose from. Uh, sent to you. <laughs> uh, sir, yeah. Also, also rate this podcast. Rate it on Apple. Apple podcast seems to be the overlord the all-sayer of what is in the podcast world so yeah by leaving five-star reviews you really do just uh it, it helps this podcast grow exponentially through algorithms and uh yeah yeah the, the the god that is apple i guess i don't know not my god so uh <laughs> i guess i have a podcast so guess it is hmm Support it. Support it all. Um, speaking of support, I've got more support coming in. This just in. Oh, not really. That's not how this works. More auction action to be announced of Sergeant and the Commander auctions, but also brought to you by NSCLiveTV.com. So Raul and Donna, they, they have a, a whole heap of comic book knowledge, and they want to spring it all up on you um, in, in, you know, through live streams. 
you know, Raul, he's a he's an Air Force veteran, and um, you know, hence the name Sergeant in the Commander Auctions. And you know, he's he's fucking saluting you by making sure that you know you're you're entertained with um, prizes and games and all of that while he's you know auctioning off comics. Gotta love it. There's a three dollar Donna poll, meaning that for three dollars you have a chance at winning a free slabbed comic. I guess it's not really free if it's $3, but still, it's a slabbed comic for oh, practically free. I mean, even in these times, you can find $3 on the street still. <laughs> so how, when? Uh, Fridays at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. We're back on the West Coast. Uh, tune into them on channel 15 on NSCLiveTV.com. Also, their Facebook group, the Cheers to Comics Facebook group. And, uh, yeah, um, once again, that's Sergeant and the Commander Auctions. Check them out. Part of the Inked Market brought to you by NSCLiveTV.com. Oh, man. Gotta love all these amazing sponsors. And they're all comic book sponsors. Fucking love it. Life's good. I talked to Kelly Thompson. I've got people listening to this podcast. I got, I'm being sponsored by comic book shops. Life's good, quarantine or not. So... <laughs> Silver Lining Bitches has been a podcast. I hope you guys read responsibly, do everything responsibly at this point. Uh, wash your fucking hands. Cheers, fuckers. Hey, everybody, this is RJ, Ash, Ray, Brandon, Harrison, and Bronson. We host a Dungeons & Dragons podcast called Realms & Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan-favorite characters, high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts.